She said that I have struggled with motivation and consistency in business and in life for years. I know and understand my why is so much more important part of this. The revelation I had was I need to reframe this. Instead of thinking about the stuff I get in life when I achieve my goals, I should be thinking about the things I'm taking away from other people or causes by not achieving my goals. Thoughts. Addy to you. I don't have any thoughts on that comment. Um, <laughs> Good. Well, you had another thought on something else. Go. <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's very interesting when you think about the definition. Like if we all wrote down our definition of freedom, it may be similar, but it also may be very different. And I think, you know, yeah. there are people that I know that consider freedom checking out at five o'clock every day and not having to answer their emails, not having yeah, to solve any 100%, problems, not having yeah, to worry 100%. about payroll, not having to worry. Right. So like, I think free, we're, we're looking at freedom and discussing freedom through the context and lens in which we seek freedom and which we, you know, uh, define what that is. So Correct. I think it's really important to, to, to keep that in mind as, because at the end of the day, we're based on what it, what your definition is, and based on what you're solving for, there's a certain set of variables in that equation that will equal that answer for you. There's a perfect plan and model for unlocking that freedom for anybody, whatever that looks like, employee or not employee. Um, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer, a right or a wrong path. I think there's just one that's specific to your outcome that you're solving for. All right, everybody, welcome back to the King's Table podcast. So good to see everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, but of course, I am joined by my good friends, the Treden Spotter himself, Aaron Amuchastegui, Micah Yala, the Sage, tapping in, and of course, the Dad Gang Hat sponsor himself, the Hero of Hospitality, Maddie Atchison. Good to see you guys. Um, we are also busy. And there's so many things going on, so we are still committed to doing this. Episode number 28. Can you believe Boom. it, guys? Maddie, Mikey, we missed you last week, bro, on our little anniversary call-out, six-month anniversary call-out. But um, we have just surpassed six months. We are on episode number 28. So exciting. Lots of fun things going on. Remember, we are all business owners, so we are still making time to do this. Sometimes we are prepared. Sometimes we're not. Either way, we're trying to figure out how to bring the most value to you. I want to first, before we get into some topics that we have today, um, I want to go back to our YouTube because it's super important that you engage and share with us what you are enjoying and to share it with somebody that may get value from it. But uh, on episode number 27, we had a bunch of really, really great comments. So I want to call out the people that are engaging with us and are reaching out. Debbie Bowman um, said, you, great you episode, skip, you guys. You skipped the most important comment, though. Didn't you skip comment number one? Or does it show oh, up different I, on mine? I, I don't know. It shows oh, oh you just go ahead. Oh, you, you, go, you do your thing. Go ahead. Are you showing? Are you are you talking about your comment? Yeah, my comment. <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy named Aaron Amuchastegui who wrote, Aaron always looks amazing. Matt brought in a ton of great ideas and quotes, and Ashish is becoming the best podcast moderator in the world. Mike was missed. I don't know who that Amuchastegui guy is, but that was a great comment. That was a great comment. That dude knows the shit. But Debbie, um, great episode. She looks forward to listening to the podcast every week to the wisdom and conversation. And she's listened to all 27 episodes and shared them. Thanks so much, Debbie, for listening. 
Zach Bacon, congratulations on reaching 27 episodes. He's looking for us to hit 2,700 episodes. Thanks, Zach. Um, really, really appreciate it. Of course, Cody Cross Real Estate One. Always excited when another episode drops. Happy six months. Thank you, Cody. Uh, and then we have this really, really dedicated listener, Debbie. Uh, Debbie, I think Debbie Mosley Prince. Um, we love she you, actually, Debbie. Yeah, we love you, Debbie. Do you guys know Debbie? Any of you actually know who Debbie is? I don't no? know Debbie. What's crazy is so I, so I know Debbie Bowman. She's one of my inner circle members, and she's coming out to my rock stars one. I know Zach Bacon. Okay. He, he lives over okay, good. near Maddie. I know Cody Cross. He's out in Austin. But Debbie Mosley Prince, she's the one that we need to meet. Like She's going to be our meet. honorary first invite to our first meetup because she That's is right. an intense listener for sure. So she's an intense listener, seems to have comments on every one of our, our YouTubes. But remember also that uh, we have put our podcast on all of the audio-only platforms. So you can also find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple um, and all of the other ones. So make sure you go there as well and subscribe and like and follow. Um, but just appreciate Aaron, you guys. So I got like maybe eight or nine emails in the last week of people thanking me for forcing you to get us back on the podcasting platform. So I know, just saying, just saying. I, you know, when I realized we tried for six months, the, I do appreciate everybody coming back to leave these comments, the, and just knowing like yeah. you get your shout outs, but we'll also do some answers out here. So like, all right, you guys, like we pushed it. I pushed YouTube long enough. We did our, our six month stint, but we still get to have our fun conversations over here. And, you know, you get to see our beautiful faces, the people that wouldn't spend 10 bucks to just have YouTube stay open on their phones, bunch of cheapskates out there. But I love you anyway. Um, you just made me wrong. And so I'm a little heartbroken. Um, two, uh, two little things that Debbie said, that Debbie Mosley Prince said on here. So as she said that she listens every week, she asked two, two questions I just wanted to answer before we jumped to one of the other episodes. So she said, I love that Aaron is doing this. She was talking about at the end I talked about that I got uh, all my kids' names on my credit cards. So that way, when they turn 18, they'll have had credit for five or 10 years. Um, and she said when her daughter was in high school in the 90s, she put one on, their, on her credit. Um, and it was a long one, not just as a signer. So now she has a higher credit score than her. Um, so pretty, pretty cool. Um, and then she went in and talked about some other stuff. She also said at the very end of the last call, or maybe the one before, I mentioned that I've been trying to buy a property subject to. And then the guy didn't want to do it subject to. So we actually tried to do a loan assignment to see if they would essentially let me assign the loan because they do have paperwork and an application for that. And they denied the application for a formal assignment where they just transfer the loan over to me. And they said, if we let you guys do it, everyone will do it. So although VA and FHA are required to let people try to do it conventional or not. And so even though they had the system, they said no. So I'm still buying the property, but now it's just back to the regular subject to uh, where I'll be taking over the other one. But wanted to make sure we got to answer that for I, I actually, I have two comments and this is from an episode a while back, but this is my favorite one. A Aaron and Stegi said, I love Mooch's new hair. Yeah, I that just, was a good one. I just had to call that That out. guy's a good commenter too. He's a good commenter. <laughs> that guy is highly engaged. Right, right after Debbie, he's going to be the number two person that we invite. We were, we were thinking about not inviting him, but now we will. Somebody but made fun gets, of me right after I said that too. Really? This gets me if excited. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but like. So Karch Bullard, 3143, man, this was a killer episode, super inspiring and motivating. This is what gets me excited. I'm setting one goal this year to buy two investment properties in the first half of the year. All my energy and focus is going to be pointed toward that goal. 
I was just thinking about this the other day. I remember when Kara and I set a goal to buy our first two income producing properties in a year. And I come back to that often because it's like such a, it was like at that point in time, it was like this unachievable, like BHAG goal, right? And when you set your intentions, like two deals just came along and found me. And that's the crazy thing. You know, Dan Sullivan always says, the eyes only see, the ears only hear what the brain is looking for. And I just get excited when I hear things like what Karch Bullard said, um, go get them, man. That's like, that. that's where it starts and it just compounds from there. So I'm stoked about that. Well, let's, <clears throat> there, there's a lot of questions here. Maybe we just go through some of these things and I'm going to read, Tim, appreciate you, man. You're putting some of this stuff in our chat here, but uh, Jan Stineru, 11 days ago, put a comment on YouTube. He said, the next six months with the political election and the Trump drama are going to be fun to watch. Every American is going to have to draw the line in the sand to when and where and what to extent uh, to what extent they get involved in a civil war or in an insurrection. The time will come when people have to ask themselves, how far is too far? What is the line that when gets crossed, you guys will have to say, this is too far? And now I have to get involved. That was a great question, right? Because I know that part of that was during that episode. We were talking, it was, it was, uh, this was episode 26 that he commented on. That one was Deep State, America's first third party president, and Mexico becoming the new China. We talked about a lot of stuff on that one. The one previous to that, it was like Texas Civil War, right? So we had been, and I think that on the 20, episode 26, I was the guy that said, you know what? I'm just going to play for the rules of the game. I am not yep. going to make change. You guys were braver than me, and you guys were saying, hey, let's try to make change. Let's go out there. And I think for you guys, the line might be shorter. But it was interesting where he said, like, well, hey, Aaron, yeah. I mean, maybe it was uh, maybe we all said something similar. Was, but yeah. But a combination of saying, like, okay, you say you can sit on the sidelines, but what, at what point do you come in and try to make change? And and I, I, and I, I guess my sad answer before loving to hear your guys is, is I don't know. Like I, and I don't know the point where I go like, oh my gosh, something like if something horrible happened to a loved one or something that I felt like I could make change, but I just, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's lame, but I think my way to make change is make a whole bunch of money so I can, you know, influence with that later. Uh, I don't think I can make a whole bunch of uh, change on the, on the ground level. Like I'm not down at the Texas border or I'm not boycotting uh, New York, which will be one of the things that we talk about. What do you guys think? I think the easiest and quickest way to make change is almost the opposite of what you're saying, which is, I don't think, I think money is one thing that can drive and dictate change because obviously money talks, but then there's a second part of that word that I think more people need to be doing more of, which is talking. We need to be huh. calling things out and having more public discussions. And and that's where, honestly, I've seen so many people already that I'm like, whoa, I would have never expected that person to say that. Oh, that mama bear, she's pissed off. Don't go after her kids. Oh, that dude you're going after and you're pillaging his business and the community that he operates in. That's, that's, a, that's a line for him. Don't cross that. He's talking up, right? So like, I think we're already seeing a lot of this where there are important issues that whether it's the administration or policy or something bigger that you believe, I think people are already waking up to this. And I think we need more people talking because when you say, I don't think I can impact change except through money, I think that's a total lie that you're telling yourself. You know how many people you influence to go and take actions on changing their life by investing in real estate every day? I can already yeah. tell you how many people I hear giving feedback going, 
the topics that you guys are talking about on the podcast are changing my viewpoint and or impacting me in a positive way. So I think that that we would be doing a disservice to say, I got to go make more money to make a difference. I think that is the wrong answer, you know, even though I agree with you in a lot of ways, but I think more so we need to be talking up more frequently and consistently, which ultimately is why I love this show is because we talk about stuff that even makes some of us feel uncomfortable, right? Like I see Ashish pointing to himself. Like I know for me, I'm maybe a little bit more aggressive and brash with my my thoughts and you know my stance on certain things. But you know, I think we're all very um, powerful communicators, and by not expressing our viewpoints and those skills and the things that we believe are, whether it's injustices or, you know, issues with what's going on in society or constitutional things or whatever it may be, we need more people stepping up, leading from the front and talking about stuff that ultimately is uncomfortable to talk about. I don't necessarily like Charlie Kirk. He's a little too staunchy and cringy, and he's very, very conservative. That being said, I have so much respect for him that he goes into very hostile places and environments to have constructive conversations that most people are scared to have. And people like that are influencing and encouraging me to have more conversations in spaces and environments that I feel uncomfortable or hostile, maybe sharing my stance in. But I think, as he says it the best, the second we stop having these conflicted, heated dialogues and debates is the second things get dangerous, get destructive, that start unraveling, you know, the fabric of society, that we dehumanize each other, that we make things fit very easily into a narrative that just, when conversation stops happening, when people stop talking, that's when things start to break down. And so... My answer to yours is I agree with you. And I think you are such an influential and powerful person. When you talk, I listen. And if you've got other things that are important to be talking about, I think we should be talking about them. I, I mean, I, I think for me, it's, that was, just, of course, Maddie has all the wisdom always, but I mean, I think spot on, I think the reason why I called Mike, like whatever, Mike, right? Nine months ago, 10 months ago, maybe a year ago is like, I have this idea. And the reason why I want to do this is because I feel like I need to have more opinions and I need to learn how to defend my arguments. And I need to know when I should be standing up for an opinion and not being passive about it. And I thought that was a skill that I wanted to learn because with, with business and, and I mean, we have so much influence in our own little ecosystems and then through social media, that influence somehow becomes broadcasted in a way that we may not even be able to measure. And so one of the things that, I mean, I'm not the guy that's probably going to pick up a gun and, and stand in the front line. I don't know if that's my highest and best use, right? Not that I maybe I wouldn't or I shouldn't, but I don't know if that's my best use. I think so what I'm trying to do here is learn how to think and learn how to think for myself and have challenging conversations and put myself in places where I may disagree with with people that I love and how can I deal with that productively so that everybody wins. Um, and I think that's what, what we need to do more in this country. Um, 
I don't know if I necessarily learned that growing up. And so I'm trying to learn that now um, with you guys and, and with our community. So I think we do underestimate how much power we have in influence, Mooch, as leaders, as business owners. Because um, we just know ourselves. We just see what we see. Will you guys take this shit down? Will you, you guys? And this guy has a gut. Okay. The the only the only difference between this AI representation of Ash and this guy <laughs> is that this guy eats protein. That's it. <laughs> that's, this guy I, eats that's all I would say. I that see guy eats guy, meat. This Ash standing on the front lines holding a rifle, kicking some ass. I'm just saying. That guy that guy's standing on the on the front line with like a thousand soldiers who, behind him. Who pulled sure. that up just now? I did. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, we 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 don't you like having guys. Uh, many times we avoid. Here here's an example. So we hate calling other people out. But you know, Ash just said when he called me with this idea, this was my idea. Just for the record, I was sitting in you Pinehurst. Freaking guy, you See? freaking guy. This this is the problem. This is the problem in America. Is like <laughs> people have these weird viewpoints. I was sitting in Pinehurst two years ago with Chris Harder and, and I, and I was sitting around this table and I had this idea and I mentioned this to Ash. I oh said, dude, my I want, see, this is the problem. Two different, two you different people. It to me too, though. I will give you that. Yeah. And, and see two, this is the problem. Two different people see the same situation and Ash is completely like oblivious to the fact he thinks uh but I'm oblivious. I'm oblivious. You're I oblivious. Let's go back to call records. Let's figure out who called who <laughs> and the cadence of who called who when and when and why. In this case. I just want to know. Fun like, shit, I, fun shit. I, I know that I was the last person invited to the pod. So I want to know who was the original number four, number five before you got to me on the list. Because the. It was, the, you were the only you, person on the short list. The, there, uh, there was no, there was no list. It was just one, two, three, four, boop, it was and we just, one, just two, had three, to four. make the phone call. Yep. Yeah. When, well. when, when Ashish called me to regurgitate my idea, uh, and, and you left own. out the point, as say own. that one more time. When Ashish called you to, yeah, it's right. A AJ Ashish's assistant is in the background. Uh, oh shout out to AJ. God. AJ, support me here. You work with this guy every day. You have to understand, like I. I know what you deal with. I'm just either saying. way. She's either just way, laughing at us. She won't. Happen. She won't actually tell you who was first. She just said she's just <laughs> laughing in the comments. Either way, we may have to end up on a front line together uh, as kings on the front line. So, but this is a perfect example of 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 having conflicting truths and still being willing to have a conversation and to work through it. I always remember uh, we've got a, a mutual friend, John Broman, and I was at one of his masterminds and he said something that just has always stuck with me, which was, I am always so excited to get into debate with people that are also excited to get into debate respectfully, because it's either going to affirm and deepen my stance and belief and where I'm already at, or it's going to enlighten me and open me up to something new that would serve a much higher purpose than what I knew to be truth before that. And I think so many people every day are so convicted on their stance about some particular thing. And I think a lot of that is rooted in our values and our experiences of what is truth. But that being said, I also know the people that are the most influential, the most successful, the most powerful, the most enlightened, the most intelligent are the ones that are constantly in dialogue and questioning their truths of whether or not they're actually truths and actually not just receiving inputs, but they're going out and seeking 
to have these kind of conversations, not to validate their echo chamber, but to actually create more context to getting deeper in a topic or, or a discussion that is really important. And, and I think more and more people are doing that right now. I mean, we're, we're doing yeah. it right now over yeah. at the right truth of who started the King's table. Yeah. I mean, the, I know mind, right? It, it wasn't go, me. Go to the next topic here. Uh, Debbie Selly Prince. She also mentioned a comment. This is a really good topic too. On another note, you mentioned the aging in China for factory workers, Please touch on the aging of plumbers, electricians, and other trades jobs in America. Our country has spent so much time promoting college degrees. What happens when we no longer have tradespeople? Who wants to attack this one? Mikey, this may touch close to home for you. I, yes, it does. Um, and by the way, this has been a long, I mean, I sold my plumbing and HVAC business in 2014. I started in 2004. This is a never ending problem. It's not only a trades problem, it's a problem you know, across every industry, but it is to Debbie's point, it's really challenging with the trades for the, I mean, she, she points it out and she's so brilliant in the way that she says it. We were talking about this in 2004, 2007, going to you know, trade shows and, or not trade shows, but job fairs, trying to get people excited about it. Here's the one thing that I feel is shifting and changing. In 2004, 2007, 2010, um, it was a bigger problem than I think it is today because, and, and this just ties into the, the last conversation that we were having too, there's this idea, and, and you can see it happening, it's almost a form of brainwashing, this idea that, you know, go to college and all that being built, and I don't mean to digress here, but one thing that I was wanting to say on the last part of this in, in speaking our truth I made this comment one time that a W-2 job is just legalized slavery. I was very hesitant to say that, but this is something that I've thought forever. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with having a W-2 job, but even tying back into slavery, I've thought about this so many times. If one of you guys was a slave, is there, this, this ties back into like, would you fight or would you settle? And I'll get back to Debbie, but would you fight or would you settle? And I can't tell you how many times I've thought about what do you like mean? If I, what do you if mean? I was, if I was somebody's slave, dude, I would not stay there. <laughs> like, I don't care if you own me or not. I don't care if you shoot me in the back when I'm running. I'm, I'm not staying there. Like, I'm going to look. I just wondered, like, how many slaves actually, um, you know, like, how many slaves actually escaped? I would do... <clears throat> I would do everything possible to get out of that scenario. But here's the, here's the difference. I mean, it's like that idea of, you know, training an elephant, an elephant can like crush any one of us or a horse or anything else. And, but when you train them from the time they're little and you break them, they get to a point where their spirit is broken. And this is really the challenge. I'm, I'm, I'm off the technical topic, but it's the same thing with the education system and, you know, go to school and get good grades. And, and even the idea of not wanting to argue, we're trained from the time we're little, stop arguing. Like our parents, stop arguing. Hmm. Don't, don't fight for what you believe. And this is the thing from a parenting aspect that Karen and I've tried. Um, we, you know, we didn't know this as much when the kids were younger, but like we break people's spirits unintentionally from the time they're little. Our children, we have to be really careful the way we talk to them. Yeah. Why are you sad right now? Stop crying. Like we're suppressing emotion and this is ingrained in us from the time we're little. So back to Debbie's like, 
comment or slavery or any of this. It's an ideal, it's an ideology that's ingrained in us and we lose our fight. And, and even on the, the reason why I brought up the slavery comment, when I said that Kara's like, I don't think you should say that. And I'm like, I'm saying it. Um, and I understand why, but like the, the thing that got me thinking about this was we were in Hawaii and there was a plantation there back in the day. And they were telling this story and they had all these people that lived in Hawaii and they lived on the plantation and you would basically get paid to work. But in reality, it was a form of legalized slavery because the way that you got paid is credits in the store, credits toward housing, and then a little bit of money deposited in your bank account. And so in reality, they were buying all their food, they were buying their housing. Everything has shifted. And I'm not saying, I'm not agreeing with slavery, but the, the, the ideology behind it has just changed because back in the day, it was legal to own someone. And then we said, no, that's not allowed anymore. And then Rockefeller came along and said, five day work week. And we're going to pay you a paycheck and you're going to pay everybody else first. And guess who gets their money first? The government. The government takes their 30% first. And oh, by the way, your employer is going to take their cut. It's no different than the plantation. It's just presented in a different manner. And so back to Debbie's comment, I think the ideology is deeply rooted in us of go to college. But I think that's shifting. I think, you know, to what Maddie was saying earlier, the ideology is being broken down. And really the only thing that people care about is their purpose and making money. But we've been told for so long that the best way to you know, have purpose is to get a bachelor's degree and then a master's degree. And unless you have an MBA, you're not of any value. That's all changing. And a few things to answer Debbie's question. I just saw that, um, and this started a few years back, but with Oculus, the HVAC industry is actually has training on the Oculus to where you can work virtually on an HVAC system. You can fix things. Apple's coming out with That's technology. That's getting even better, right? That technology it's getting, getting so getting much better. better. And when I went to trade school, I had to work all day and go to school for three hours every night. But as, a, as an HVAC owner, if we had Apple or, or Oculus, every time they complete a course, I could pay them 45 bucks and they don't even have to lose their house. And so I think you know, when people start to realize that an, as an HVAC tech or an electrician or whatever, you can actually make $120,000, $130,000 a year if you go to work for the right company and everybody needs it. So I think we're going to see a shift in this. Um, I think technology is going to help accelerate that to where, and just getting tactical for a second, it takes a long time for a technician to really learn their trade. It takes 10 years to become a master. But if technology can reduce that, and I have some ideas for technology too, that we can have like ride along techs and that kind of stuff. In fact, I have a consultant in the industry that shared an app with me the other day that it it's on their iPads and their iPhones, which every company has that now. And the AI is in the background listening to the salespeople and the technicians. And if the technician doesn't say, hey, I have to put my booties on so that I'm protecting your floor, or if the sales guy doesn't offer good, better, best, then the AI actually gives feedback to the mm. sales manager. And so there's all this training that's happening with AI and that's going to completely accelerate. But again, the ideology behind it, people beginning to understand that my purpose isn't in an MBA. It's really just about making money and how do I build a better life for me? I think you're going to see this drastically change in the next 10 years. Yeah. I got, I got a couple things to add is maybe talking about how we got here. Right. So again, her questions have touched on the aging of plumbers, electricians, and other trades in the U S her comment was that we spent too much time promoting college degrees, but what happens when we have no longer have tradespeople? Um, 
and I think I think Mike's solution that it is going to shift uh, the the demand and cost. Tradespeople will come back if they're getting paid well enough uh, to do it, right? And they have that understanding. In two thousand and five, there were tons of tradespeople, and the way that it worked in framing companies is you got brought in and you were an apprentice and you were an apprentice for a few years. You studied under the other guys, and every year you got a raise, and eventually beca- you became a master and in plumbing, it was the same and an electrician, it was the same and in surveying, it was the same. And then in 2009, first time in U S history, cause it's actually like that since Rockefeller said, you know, people are going to have jobs. That's how this, this trades work. Specialist trades. There was always apprentice programs from the beginning of time until 2009. And then 2009 was the foreclosure crisis, the absolute crazy foreclosure crisis where houses just didn't get built for three or four years. And they had all these people that part of the government incentives back in 2009 and 2010, when they were trying to get rid of the recession was they did free retraining stuff. So the government would actually pay a guy that was a framer to learn how to do like AutoCAD drafting or to learn how to do, you know, office work or accounting work. And so the government spent three years from 2009, 2012, essentially Funding, repurposing, and retraining to essentially say, like, we're never going to need plumbers again. And so we need to get these plumbers to have jobs. So then people got trained to do office jobs instead. And they weren't paying as as good as the other stuff. But the but essentially when they've tried to, like, rebuild construction since then and even, like, new construction projects now as the companies have come back, the trade partners and the teams and the framers that are out there are nothing compared to what they were back in 09, even the new companies as they come up. Because they ha- don't have the longevity of the uh, the apprentice program and people coming in. So, but I do think that like what happens when we no longer have trades people, then trade stuff becomes more expensive, and the more it's just the supply and demand. Like if there's a shortage of electricians and the electricians are going to charge five or six hundred bucks an hour to come look at a problem because they know that they're going to be busy enough, and as soon as they're charging five or six hundred bucks an hour, then somebody else is going to say, "Oh, I'm going to go become." an electrician. So we needed a bunch of them in, in 05. We didn't need them anymore in 09. And that's why they all left. Um, but the training program that used to be in place for the first 80, 90 years in the U S got you know evaporated in 09 and it's never been rebuilt since then. So it was, it was less about college than it was about a, a force recession at the time. And the trying to get people to actually pivot to show them they can get jobs in other ways. So many construction workers lost their jobs in 09. I think the other thing that you're going to see that's going to change this is the consolidation of the industries. Um, and I don't know that a lot of people think about this, but this has been a very, you know, ma and pa type industry. And Cody Sanchez talks about this all the time, but I've seen it firsthand. I worked with one of the top two consulting companies in the service industries, you know, the whole time I built my business. And what's interesting about this as private equity groups and consolidation happens and they put more money after this, then it naturally they hire better leadership. The people are treated better. They put better systems, sales processes in place. The marketing gets better. The vehicles get better. And that allows for, because it's not just about money at the end of the day. We've heard this a million times. You know, there's a lot of people that will leave one job for another job for a dollar. But if you treat those people well, it's not always about money for people. If they love their work environment and they're appreciated and they have opportunity for growth, they will stay there. And I think with the consolidation of the industry and, you know, private equity companies buying 50 ma and pa companies and consolidating them, there's a lot more pride in the companies that we work for 
and the way that we sell business. There's better support in the offices. There was nothing worse for me when I was a technician before I started my business than showing up at a customer's house and them yelling at me because we didn't have enough staff in the office or because the systems and processes were broke or because we didn't have good technology. And, and oh, you guys were supposed to be here yesterday. I, that's not my fault, but I'm the one that takes the blame. And I think as the industry consolidates, more and more people are going to be more happy about working in these trades as well. I have, I have a comment. Maddie, can I go? <clears throat> so, Mike, I, I love how you took this to a whole nother level. Um, I think let me address that mechanical, mechanically, and then I want to get into maybe a philosophical, spiritual conversation. I think you're spot on. I think the seasonality of workforce and what we need to do in order to live our lifestyle of, of the civilization, I think we'll just ebb and flow. And if people need toilets fixed, somehow toilets will get fixed, right? Uh, capitalism solved those problems. I think that AI, we live in a world today where you're right. Some guy off the street can put on a, a set of Apple goggles who who is watching some software being trained and, and they can just follow instructions and they can get trained on what to do with, you know, whether it's plumbing or electrical or HVAC or whatever. And I think that we're going to bridge that gap of knowledge and education and skill sets pretty quickly for people that are out in the field. Um, I think we're seeing a, such a fast, rapid pace of AI and, and um, implementation of how people learn. I, I don't know if you guys saw this the other day, but, we talked about this on another episode a few weeks ago where Elon implanted a, a chip in somebody's brain and he just announced yesterday that that person can now move a mouse with just thinking. So we're already on this track record of of being able to learn faster, implement knowledge faster and, and bridge the gap between becoming an apprentice and a master. Where I want to take this more spiritually and philosophically, I think it's really interesting. What you're touching on is we are being programmed or we're being educated or we're uh, the normal life path of people to um, be in a box, go to college, get a job, live in a cubicle, earn for a 401k. Is that what you're touching on, right? The modern day form of slavery. I want what I want to, what I want to challenge or what I've been really um, deeply contemplating over the last couple of years is this idea of freedom. And I know we all talk about freedom in all of our worlds. Um, it's like the hot topic to talk about right now is like, we all want freedom. I think I want to, what I want to talk about is the, the double-edged sword of freedom. And I think that we all want freedom as this like ideal. But when you have freedom, I think there's a consequence of that freedom also. So that's what I want to talk about. And you guys know this more than I do. I'm not a, a Catholic. I did watch the biblical series of Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you guys have studied that or not, but it's like super fascinating. I love Jordan Peterson. So I like watched all his stuff and nerded out on his biblical series. And he talks about how the, the garden of Adam and Eve was not just a garden. It was a walled garden. And so it's this open garden, but it has a wall because even, even Adam and Eve couldn't have this open-ended freedom. They had to have boundaries. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I think that freedom, I think obviously power and government and maybe even some businesses that have bureaucracy or what have you, find ways to create robots of us, 
because it's more sustainable, it's easier, it's easier to control. But I think that when we really think about how irrelevant we are in the landscape of space and time, that thought, that awareness of consciousness that how irrelevant we are, I think is scary for most people. And I think that most people would rather just know what to do, be told what to do, and to stay within their sort of roles and responsibilities because I think life becomes easier that way. The mind knows what to do. It doesn't have to think about how to make decisions. It's just tell me what to do. Tell me where I'm supposed to show up. Tell me what work I have to get done. How do I feed my family? And that's an easier path than to have a complete freedom of I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, and I'm fully autonomous to myself, I think is a scarier concept than most people realize. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that, guys, because I think we all talk about freedom. And I think we all contemplate freedom in, in different ways, right? Whether it's money freedom or time freedom or, or business freedom, whatever the hell we're talking about. Um, yeah, but I, I, I struggled sometimes and like I feel like I don't have enough freedom right now. I feel like I'm a slave to my calendar. Okay, well, now let's open up the freedom. Like, shit, now I, I, don't, I, don't, I want more discipline. I want, I want to know what to do next. Or it's like, uh, you know, you, you pick your poison, pick your poison. You know, there, there's a freedom in entrepreneurship. There's also a slavery in entrepreneurship. It's all mindset frameworks, right? So I think freedom is really in the mind, I guess is what I'm saying. And I'd love to riff on that for a minute. I think we need to get a counselor for Ashish. (laughs) That's what, isn't that what this call is about? Isn't that what this is? Like leadership therapy? (laughs) The... Just getting that off his chest. He feels like he's I was just getting that off my right chest. Now. Leadership there. Yeah. That someday we're, you can always be a, a slave to the job or a slave to something else. The, the, um, what all I know for sure about all of that freedom and everything is balance in my own experience has been a myth. And the, yeah, and you the mentioned best, that before. and the best thing I think people can, that I think the best quote I can leave people with is um, when you say yes to something, whatever it is, you are saying no to another thing every single time, right? So if you say yes to anything, you are saying no to something. You say yes to go speak at an event in Colorado, you're saying no to being home and golfing with your buddies or taking your kids to their thing. When you say yes about going to an event, then you're saying no to something else. When you say yes to going to your kid's event, you're saying no to the thing in Colorado. Like the, so the ultimate freedom is like, yeah, we could say yes or no to whatever we want, but we still are like, um, but the problem with that is the problem with like actually getting to make the own deci- our own decision. So like a lot of times employees can't make the decision. You're telling, you're telling them, Hey, this is what you're going to do. And their yes or no is like, they could say yes, or they can lose their job. So it doesn't really feel like a choice. Um, the, but yeah, when we say yes to one thing, we're saying no to another. And um, even if it's for a good cause, even if it's for a good reason, even if it's for the business thing you need or for a great volunteer group or somebody that really needs you to come speak on the podcast. And so what I've tried to do a lot more of lately, and I'm still dramatically failing because I told you guys I had you know 10 and a half hours of Zooms today and a 40 minute break, was I need to do a better job at saying no. Because if I can start saying no to more things, then I open up the opportunity for yeses later. 
Um, instead of when I say yes to something, I'm saying no to things right away. I want to read this comment to from AJ Buhay, I think it is. Uh, AJ commented a couple months ago on this. Uh, she said, I wanted, he or she, I'm sorry, uh, said, I wanted to start by saying thank you guys for putting on the effort and talking about the things you do. This is hands down the best podcast I've ever come across for entrepreneurship, business owners, and real estate investors. My only wish was that the episodes were longer. Sometimes it feels like you guys have so much more to say on these topics and that your insights are so valuable. Uh, love it. She said that I have struggled with motivation and consistency in business and in life for years. I know and understand my why is so much more in, uh, so much more important part of this. The revelation I had was I need to reframe this. Instead of thinking about the stuff I get in life when I achieve my goals, I should be thinking about the things I'm taking away from other people or causes by not achieving my goals. Thoughts? Addy, to you. I don't have any thoughts on that comment. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. Well, you had another thought on something else. Go. <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say it, it's, <laughs> it's very interesting when you think about the definition. Like if we all wrote down our definition of freedom, it may be similar, but it also may be very different. And I think, you know, yeah. there are people that I know that consider freedom checking out at five o'clock every day and not having to answer their emails, not having yeah, to solve any 100%, problems, not having yeah, to worry 100%. about payroll, not having to worry. Right. So like, I think free, we're, we're looking at freedom and discussing freedom through the context and lens in which we seek freedom and which we, you know, uh, define what that is. So Correct. I think it's really important to, to, to keep that in mind as, because at the end of the day, we're based on what it, what your definition is. And based on what you're solving for, there's a certain set of variables in that equation that will equal that answer for you. So I don't want to say it's dangerous. I just think it's something that we got to be aware of that when we discuss this philosophically around what freedom is and why it's important and what it means to each and every one of us that we all may be solving for something different. And that's totally okay. Just like, yes, you know, wealth to one person might mean being a billionaire and wealth to one person might be just having enough cash flow to go surfing, you know, five days a week and travel around the state. So I, when, when I, think about freedom and, and those discussions that we're having. I think there's some underlying truths that are woven into everybody's definition, but I also think it's important to keep context and individual outcomes and definitions at the forefront of that discussion, because there's a perfect plan and model for unlocking that freedom for anybody, whatever that looks like, employee or not employee. Um, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer, a right or a wrong path. I think there's just one that's specific to your outcome that you're solving for. Just on, on Ash's theme too. And by the way, Ash, I'm not Catholic. I'm Jewish just for the record. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> um, but you know, what's interesting within this and, and Maddie, I agree with what you said. It's like every, I, I have two thoughts on this because I can't tell you how many times, you know, as an entrepreneur, which everybody on this call is, you know, we, we set out with this intention. The reason why I became an entrepreneur is because I was working a hundred plus hours a week and, and missing my kids growing up. And I didn't start my business because I wanted freedom. I started my business because I literally said, you know, if I'm going to work a hundred hours a week for someone else, 
I might as well just do it for myself because then at least I can be home at night. And that's where my journey started. But you know how many times I've woken up and realized, and, and this is the human sickness, I think. It doesn't matter whether it's somebody in a W-2 job or running a business that's doing a million in revenue or 10 or 100 million. I think our human sickness is like more, more, more. And, or we start heading down a certain path. And I can't tell you how many times that I thought, okay, three years from now, if I could just achieve this or hire X amount of people or whatever, I'll just be happy and I'll have my freedom. And then you go down the road and you've got a hundred employees and you don't have your freedom or, or you had a hundred employees, but you had to lay off 30 of them. And now you're working. So it's the human sickness of just like not being happy. And back to the Jewish statement, the reason why I brought that up was, you know, you even, there's a story in the old Testament where the children of Israel had, they were slaves to Pharaoh and you watch this story and they were slaves and God brought them out of Egypt. And then you fast forward and the children of Israel. So in this story, like God never designed them to have a King that was not. And even if you think about why America was founded, we broke away from the King. We wanted freedom. But the crazy thing about human nature is we, we tend to come back into bondage and the children of Israel are a great story because they came out of bondage, wandered through the wilderness, and then you fast forward and they were asking for a king. God said, you don't need a king. And they kept asking for a king. And so God finally gave him a king. His name was King Samuel. And then all hell, everything went to hell. And, and it's human nature. The reason why I bring up that story is because I can see it in my own life. Well, that's what the I'm saying, Mike. So why do we do that? Well, I was about to answer. Um, the reason why we want a king in our life is because we want to put responsibility off of ourselves and mm -hmm. onto someone else. Mm -hmm. and, and it's human nature. I mean, even when we find ourselves as entrepreneurs, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but when we find ourselves in trouble, we just go to a mentor or whatever and just tell me what to do. Because in reality, we want somebody to tell us what to do. And I think the core deep-rooted issue is we can't handle freedom. We can't handle the responsibility on That's the other side of it because... We, we want somebody to tell us what to do. Just, would you make my life easier and just tell me how to get out of this? And in reality, that is not the progressive human level that we're all really seeking after. How do I become the highest version of myself? Make decisions, make mistakes and own it. But we want somebody else to blame for our problems. <clears throat> I'll tell you really quickly a story because I'm going through this literally right now. I called my wife this morning. And I'm struggling through some really difficult seasons of complex decisions that need to be made, what to go, what to not go, what to say yes or no to. There's like four or five balls up in the air. We've talked about some of this stuff off, offline as a group. And the wisdom that came through that conversation was simply like, there's not a simple answer. I wish somebody would just tell me what to do. I've, I've asked you guys, I've asked mentors, I've asked you know, my partners, I've asked my wife, no one can just simply give me an answer to what to do. The, the, the scary part is I just realized that now it's just a season. I got to go through the shit to, to let time and whatever it is that has to manifest out of this. I just have to suck it up and slave through it. I should use, be careful of words. What I use, what I mean is like, yeah, you're just going to have to like, it's not that meaning, meaning you're just, there's no simple, clean answer. The freedom of the choice is scary as hell. It's uncomfortable. I don't know what to do next. 
I don't, I'll tell it's you not an do. easy answer. And, and really like we do want somebody just to tell us what to do next. And, and so it goes back to what I was saying is I think freedom is sort of this cloak of everybody wants freedom, but you got to be careful when you have it. I love Maddie. You're right. Is we want to be careful in not throwing freedom into this big bucket that freedom is bad. But the answer about what we all want in terms of the freedom we want is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just a fun, it's fun and, and it can feel like torment, but I feel like I've gone through it enough to know like, okay, this torment is healthy and I just have to suck up the torment and just work through it instead of looking for an easy answer. Mooch. Well, I was gonna say, I'll tell you what to do, dude. Just call me offline. I'll just give you an A or B. I, I'm really good at, at that. Um, oh, good. I think, I think in the past, I mean, I, I'm total opposite. I know that I would have, man, I would be a billionaire today if I had people that I was like, could ask advice of back in like 2011, 2012. And if I would have, I still way too often don't, maybe I choose extra freedom, but I still uh, choose to not have a king, not get advice. And 99% of the time, in hindsight, I would be way better off if I had asked somebody for some advice and some guidance. So on the other side, I'm probably the opposite again, where, yeah, most of the time I shot myself in the, in the, in the face was because I should have said like, Hey, what do you guys think? And instead I'm like, I'm just gonna well, give I'd this a shot. It. Do you think you'd have more freedom or less freedom as a billionaire? Well, man, I'm, so I'm going to say more for sure. Um, that's a, that's a good story. But, but it's also a very good question because I, I don't know if I'd be lying to myself about that. The, um, it is a good question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, how much freedom, and again, it goes back to definition of what freedom equals. How much freedom do you think Elon Musk feels like he has on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. yeah very little. He, like our definition might be like, holy shit, that dude's- Well, but hey, but he also like, but that you might see him on stage with the, with the Disney guys? He gets on stage with the Disney guys. He's like, go F yourself. Like, you're well, going to tell that, me that I need to change my programming. Like, so yeah. like there's some stuff where he's kind of like, but well, yeah, no freedom of speech, but, but, but well, what he's if, flexing that freedom. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm not, I'm not debating against that. I'm just saying it's very interesting, right? You throw some people, let's just say we took a W2 person, the average Joe or Jane, and you put them into Elon Musk's shoes. Do you think they they would feel like they have unlocked the ultimate freedom in life? Or is that freedom very unique and individual to Elon Musk's personality, his skills, his goals, his true human capacity? It's a very interesting discussion to have, right? Because I, I think you know, it is an interesting. Certain people would say, yeah, I'm going to have way more freedom as a billionaire. Freedom to do X, Y, and Z, right? Freedom to say this, freedom to make a difference in these things, freedom to go start this business. Right. And other people might go, I just lost all of my freedom because I'm tapped into all yeah. these responsibilities of these businesses and these people and these financials. Like that is a that is a jail cell for me. Well, I'm gonna choose to rather figure out how to do it as a billionaire instead of not. Cause the, even you. though even though more money, more problems, I'd rather try it and just see, you know, might yeah. as well give it a shot. Um but you. you know who we should interview about that is our buddy Kurt. The, um, so the, he's also one of our listeners that probably comments and shoots a bunch of us messages. But when I was in Croatia with these guys two years ago, right? A bunch of go abundance guys. And Kurt goes over his life ha- happiness index and Kurt was at a nine point like nine, nine. 
And every day he wakes up, sleeps in, does what he wants. And he's like paddleboarding and pickleballing and stopping by man. He, and I found myself on that trip going, I want to be more like Kurt. And he would joke and he'd say, no, I'd trade it for the, he goes, I would trade it for the net worth and the horizontal whenever. But the reality was, was I couldn't have been more jealous of anyone in the world than I am of Kurt because he has the ultimate, like, at least back when we were in Croatia, he had the ultimate happiness level, ultimate level of freedom. And he's just chill. So. Which yeah. his, well, his it, blueprint of freedom aligns with the outcome you obviously seek and desire, right? So I think it's just interesting when you when you start dissecting all of these people, you know, your level of freedom might feel like jail to me and Kurt's level of freedom might feel like freedom to me, right? I don't well, know. I, think, so I, I mean, this is this is the this is the fun thing, Mooch. You said this yourself, is like when you say yes to something, you say no to something. You could have that right now if you wanted. You could, right? I mean, you have enough wealth where you could buy a fucking mansion. Excuse my language. You could buy a mansion on any paradise city in the planet and move your whole family there, have enough passive income for the rest of your life in, in Costa Rica or Croatia, where the heck you want to go, and surf all day and boat all day and whatever, whatever you are, were admiring about that guy. Yeah. Um, and, but but this like constant itch of wanting more, looking for more, being the billionaire is somehow going to solve that. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm saying we're, yeah. I'm, even I'm on that train, right? But I think that's the dichotomy that most entrepreneurs struggle with is like, and it's not that simple. It's not that simple. I think yeah. it's part of who we are too, in some ways. It becomes a great discussion. But I know I can't buy an NBA team though. If I, if well, I don't yeah, I can't buy my these. private plane yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, I do right. think it's important to continue to have these. One, this is a great therapy session for all of us. So what a what a beautiful episode today. That being said, I also think that you know it's a it's a good reminder to at least to me to say that comparing somebody else's outsides to your insides, right, and what it is that you really are seeking, That's feeling, good. working towards on. on the outside. It's so easy to get wrapped up in these external things and drive a lot of what we do on a daily basis or how we feel about ourselves on a daily basis or the conversations that we are and aren't having on a daily basis based on other people's definitions of freedom. And it just reminds me that I just got to keep beating to my own drum and building my dream lifestyle, building my dream business, building my dream definition of freedom, unlocking my mm. dream of wealth. And who gives a fuck about everybody else's to be frank about it. Like I want to see you in and unlock all those things for yourself. But if yours looks different than mine, I know I can probably learn some things, but to not allow those things to rob you of continue to get clarity and granular and focused and disciplined around your definition and moving the needle forward on that every day, I think is, is something that I'm being reaffirmed of because it's so easy to get all of these hooks in you that are pulling you in this direction and I should be adding this in and I should be doing this and why am I not looking like that or taking that trip or having that opportunity? That's all destructive. I mean, if at the end of the day, the freedom I have right now, and I'm still trying to build bigger freedom, but the freedom I have right now, if you would have told the 21-year-old Matt that I have this kind of freedom, I would say, I'm done. Get, I'm good. Yeah, yeah right, right. Exactly. <clears throat> One of the things, M Mikey, I, I don't know if you remember this or not. I was contemplating a really big decision. I, I, I mean, do, Mooch. but I remember it different. Oh, God damn. I'm just Here kidding. we go. Here we go. <laughs> 
Mooch, it goes back to like, okay, you know, I want to be a billionaire. Wanted, I was contemplating a really big leap and we were together with Mike and, and Lori Harder and Lori told me something. She said, don't judge the carrot. And, and that stuck with me. I still digest that issue sometimes when I'm trying to look for big leaps. So Mooch, there's like this part of us that wants something super big. Like I want to, I want to be a billionaire or I want to hit a billion, whatever. We don't have to judge that. Go achieve it. And then if you don't like it, you can get rid of it. Yeah. I'd rather give right? it a shot first. Cause, cause something within <laughs> us is instinctually wanting it. And, and for all intents and purposes, you're probably capable of it too, which is why it keeps showing up for you. Cause you, you may not be there now, but your brain is putting together the pathway on how to get there as you mature and as you get older and as you learn more. And so it's probably in your destiny. So don't judge the carrot by not going after it, go get it and then get rid of it if you don't like it. And I thought that was a really powerful frame for me of like, you know, don't be afraid of playing big and going after big things because once you win, which you likely will, if you're determined and persistent enough, then you can get rid of it. Like, Maddie, hey, I want to be in the hospitality business. Oh, maybe I shouldn't be. Am I comparing somebody else? Am I capable of that or not? Like, no, go freaking do it. Go be the hero hospitality and then pivot to another market if you're not happy anymore. So I, I think nothing is permanent. Um, and so I think that flex, that, that's our freedom, right? Like that's also a frame of freedom. It's like I can do something and I can tap out of it. Or I can tap in or whatever. So. Anyways, fun conversation. What's Ashish's I, I see all nickname? of us thinking and rolling. So, so what do we call Ash in this? We got the hero of hospitality. We got the trend spotter. We got the sage. What's what's Ash's tagline? The hostess. Jesus, Tim. The yeah, hostess. The hostess with the mostess. One of the comments that I need to clean my desk, and I want him to know that I've done a much more conscious job of cleaning my desk before the podcast. Um, there, you should have seen it just a little. Uh, bit ago in here so the so thank you so we do pay attention so the hostess with the mostest that was the uh, one of ash's original tagline that, that episode you guys, see guys i was on the other side of the planet okay you're like gonna judge me for the lack of sleep when i recorded the first episode jesus did you guys see what i sent on the text after last time there was two taglines that i think we need to so maddie's money corner so I think every every future episode needs to have a Maddie's Money Corner because that just rolled off your tongue last time, Ash. The, we opened up Maddie's Money Corner. He had so many stats for us, and it rocked. And the um, so I don't know what Mike's Mike and Ash. I don't know what yours are. I wrote an Aaron's real estate rant. It probably needs to sound cooler, but we know Maddie's Money yeah. Corner is definitely a finalist. Or, or the I think that that gets a session every time. Well, we always need some wisdom from the sage, always. And and today was a good wisdom conversation. Are you um are you ready for some chat GPT nicknames for Ash? Oh yeah. shoot. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. no. Dude, did right, you see Chat GPT can burn people now? You could do a picture and say roast my buddy and chat GPT will. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna do that while you guys are all right. Tell us his nicknames while I get to work. Oh all god, right. here we go. So there's uh there's a couple. <laughs> That, that stood out to me. What's the prompt <laughs> that you put in, Matty? <laughs> What's the prompt? I Before you start I going, I want to make sure you prompt it properly. All right. So I said, I have a friend who I am on a podcast with, and I want to give him a great <laughs> nickname. 
He's an awesome Indian guy, a girl dad, owns a hundred million dollar company. They build furniture. He's in hospitality, an amazing leader and biz, no, biz owner. What are some fun nicknames for him? You ready? Okay, good, good prompt. See, I got to give you credit. Good, 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 good. I wanted to be clear. Okay. The Maharaja of Furniture. Ooh. The Sultan of Sofas. I like yes. that one. That's good. That's good. That was good. <laughs> uh, there we go, Mike. Give it two That's thumbs a good up. One. Uh, the chairman of Charm. Uh, this one was the hospitality hero, which I thought was um, the design duke and the hospitality maestro. The Maharaja. I like. I, the I like of the sofas. Yeah, <laughs> that's so good. I just picture you with like uh, uh, what what was his name from um, <clears throat> Aladdin with like a just a big old cane that has like a big couch or a desk on it. And you just walk around your office. You are the Sultan of sofas. I, I always tell people, "What do you do for a living?" He's like, "I make sofas." That's so it. good, fun, that, fun, fun that's stuff. It. That's it. Okay, guys. Oh, look, Tim. Tim and AJ. The Sultan wins. The Sultan of Sultans. I love it. I love it. All right, guys. Well, there you go. Um, That was a really fun episode. Oh, Mooch, you got a thing. Go ahead. Mooch is not done. Let's just see. Let's just see if this works. It says you can upload a photo and then they're going to roast him. Oh, Jesus. You guys. Why why is Ash always targeted? We're getting this live. Oh, there we go. This is good. Oh, here we go. First off, that grin is so wide. I'm I'm worried you'll strain something. Why don't you read it? Why don't you read it? I guess maybe it's going. It said, oh, there we go. First off, the grin is – I uploaded a picture of Ash, and it says, that grin is so wide, I'm worried you'll strain something. Maybe ease off the cheese just a tad, or you'll be giving the Cheshire cat a run for his money. And that stance, arms crossed like you're guarding the last slice of pizza at a party where the food runs out. You're not fooling anyone. The, <laughs> so the, it's going a little too slow, but I saw – so by next time, I'll, in Jesus. fairness, I'll roast myself first. It's still going. It's pretty awesome. But I'll upload all four of our pictures, that and I'll let ChatGPT <clears throat> roast us. I'm not going to do just the, the ash roasting as we're coming with me. But I saw – a buddy posted this the other day, and I just saw the funniest – things and well, the I think we responses. should we should definitely talk about AI next time. There is an incredible say, amount. Yeah. Oh, look at Tim. Look at that, Tim. On his perch, the Sultan look, of Sofas sitting on there. It is, man. Empire. There it and is. I do think we should talk more about AI. I would love to know more about how you guys are using AI in your business. We could do some yes. actual prompting and Good show idea. some of the stuff. I mean, I've got I use ChatGPT for dude. Everything. The image generators I, I've been using is crazy. Like I'm oh, making yeah. like there's a movie generator now, Mooch. Yeah, I I used Hold to that. go on and like try like search for a photo I needed for an ad. Now I tell Chat Chat GPT to make me one, like have them make yeah. a video, make a photo. It's crazy. All right, well, yeah, that'll be our topic. Not, De- definitely, we will we will definitely get into AI. We'll do some examples. We'll do some prompting. We'll talk about what we're doing within our business. Maybe create some projections on where we think we can be used in the future of our industries or others. Um, but such a fun episode to walk through our YouTube questions, uh, you know, for the people that we called out, continue to engage with us and ask us questions. We love all of you guys. We really appreciate it. I think this is inspiring me to get back on track to schedule our live Kings table. Um, maybe it's in Austin, maybe it's in Tahoe, maybe it's in Vegas. We haven't decided yet, but can you guys just imagine like a couple hundred people with us just like riffing on stuff like this? It'd be so much fun. 
Um, thank you guys so much for listening to the King's Table. I'm Ashish Nathu from my friends, Aaron Amuchastegui, Maddie Atchison, and Mike Ayala. Until next time, peace. Peace. I, I thought you'd say, I am the Sultan of Sophos. I was going to say, did. he totally I, missed I didn't that want opportunity. The Sultan oh, of Sophos. He missed that. I am the Sultan. Okay, we're going to try it. that again. We're going to try that again, okay? We're going to try Do that it. again. Nail it. Okay, and, and from me, Ashish Nathu, the Sultan of Sofas, of course, you have my friends here, Aaron and Mujastegi, the trend spotter, the sage, Mike Ayala, and the one and only hero of hospitality, Maddie Atchison. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, guys. To the King's Table. Peace out. Bye. Sultan of Sofas is good. Yeah, that's so good. good. <laughs> I, I love you that. Guys are you for the win, crazy. Good job.